about um, the trope drift, uh, trope drift on time travel, and um, but I'm a little distracted. I'm going to tell you a little story while I'm waiting for um, Jilly to show up on um, my board. Uh, like I, I'm kind of picturing her running around her house right now getting a drink. I don't know what she's actually doing. But that, that, that's last clip my go-to image is going to be. Anyways, um, I have a problem with birds in my front yard. And I have this beautiful tree, and it um, it kind of hangs over my driveway a little bit. And I um, I love my tree. I don't want to part with my tree. But stupid birds keep getting in my tree. And the worst part is, is that they shit on my car. And I can't stand it. Oh, my God. I cannot stand it. So, I bought a fake owl. And I stuck it in this tree. And this damn thing is huge. I mean, it probably weighs 20 pounds. I didn't personally stick it in the tree. I had that done for me, obviously. Anyways, um, my little dog has been staring at this owl. And I recently came to the conclusion that he's plotting its murder. And now I feel bad for having wasted all my little dog's time. Because obviously he's not going to be able to kill this fake owl. I, I'm an asshole. <laughs> it's a beautiful owl. I went to a flea market and um there's a man there who um who uh carves owls um and um out of wood and uh, it's beautiful. It's beautimous and it's actually helped my problem. There's not nearly as many birds in that tree. It could, I'm hoping that it's actually the giant owl's fault. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Anyways, <clears throat> it's doing something for him, but I'm not sure it would be entertaining, Kiki. I just don't know. <laughs> I'm totally wasting his time either way. But I got the idea because there are several areas, there are several places in the area that have outdoor eating. And on their buildings, they have owls on the corners to discourage um, birds from being around the eating areas. And it's working out, except for that whole part where I'm wasting my little dog's time. So, anyways, Julie's on the board, so we're going to bring her on line and we're going to um, start this whole thing talking about time travel. Um, I bought an owl to stick in my tree to scare off birds because they were shitting on my car. That's the sum up for those of you who are just now entering um, the uh, the podcast. Anyways, <clears throat> I was also speculating about what you were doing while you were not on the air, like running around your house. Nothing fun. Nothing fun. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um... <laughs> We I mean, every November moved, and I got new housekeepers. And let's say it was my first experience with the new housekeeping service. And um, I, I realized they put my blankets on sideways, and I couldn't deal. Oh, n- <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> and I, had, I thought I had like 15 minutes of the podcast when I noticed the blankets were sideways, and I thought I have plenty of time to get the blankets turned around. <laughs> but I wasn't prepared for everything to be tucked in because I'm not a tucker. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tuck because I have to have the ability to stick one foot out to 
cool myself right. off. I'll have five blankets. I'll have five blankets and my foot will be out. <laughs> That's how you regulate your temperature in the winter is you put on lots of blankets and you stick a foot out when need be. That's how it works. I can't tuck. It makes me feel confined and I can't regulate my body temperature and everything was tucked and my blankets were sideways and I just, I had a moment. I had a meltdown. Right now, actually a literal meltdown because I'm pretty sure I'm having a hot flash on top of everything else. <laughs> <sighs> um, I... I failed at NaNo um, because there are a couple of reasons. One, because I was sick. Um, and two, um, I don't know why, but lately when when I get a head cold and I run a temperature for an extended period of time, it tends to give me um, – I have fibromyalgia. I don't discuss that stuff often in public because I don't um, – it's just not something that I do. I don't like to talk about my illnesses out there. I know some people really enjoy talking about how sick they are. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> but I have fibromyalgia, and it's really interesting because I've noticed that the last two or three times that I got um, sick and ran a fever, that I had severe pain flares in corresponding with the fever. Are you going? Cool. Okay. No, I'm just. I, I, I heard a clicking noise. I heard a clicking no. noise. Anyways, it it's a weirdness, and so between the the head cold and um, pain flaring, I just um, I stopped. I abandoned my nano about midway through. I wrote 30k of a of a Harry Potter idea, so I actually did write upwards of 65,000 words for November, but it wasn't all on one project. I couldn't make myself settle. Yeah. And then I also read Go with the Crazy. A billion time travel fix. I I was just like I I yeah, a billion. I read um I read uh a time travel fix in the Hobbit fandom called Lay Down Your Sweet and Weary Head? Is, is that what it's called? Yeah, I think that's it. That's, um, that's the Thorn Time Travel Fic, right? Yes, I love it. I love it. I um, I have, I have a, I have a multitude of Hobbit projects in progress, uh, but I can't seem to settle. Um, and when I move into a new fandom, um, I tend to um, throw around a whole bunch of ideas at once until I get settled. Um, you would not believe how many works in progress I had before I started posting what might have been for Stargate. I just whipped them out, just boom, boom, boom. I mean, I probably literally have um, 50 or 60 works in progress for Stargate that I wrote in 2008. Holy crap. Before I got into the story I wanted to tell, so I'm still trying to find my my. I always feel like I have a story in a fandom that I want to tell. That, that, that I'll have little stories that I want to tell, but there's also a big story that I want to tell in in, in any particular fandom. And I think if you look at the body of my Stargate work, um, most people would think that. The story that I wanted, the, my main story that I wanted to tell in Stargate would be um, Ties That Bind, but it's actually Sentinels of Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, 
based on word count. And of course, in Harry Potter, I, I think my main my main um, story. Two years ago, I would have definitely said it was Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, but I feel like if I wrote a love letter to the Harry Potter fandom, um, that it's definitely courting Hermione Granger, uh, um, and that's my love letter to to Stargate. So I'm sure I mean, Harry Potter. So I'm trying to find my love letter to the Hobbit. So I'm and I was really. Um, really enthralled with the character of Thorin in Lay Down Your Sweet and Weary Head. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing piece of, of fiction. Um, Thorin is, is stoned back in time after his death on Raven Hill um, and wakes up the day that Smog comes. Smog, Smog, whatever, the dragon. The day the dragon comes and he kills the dragon and he becomes Thorin Dragon Slayer instead of Thorin Oak and Shield and it bothers the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> to the point that when he when when he finally does go to Moria and he gets the um moniker of Oakenshield, that Dragon Slayer is so um ingrained into who he is to everybody around him that he'll never be Thorn Oakenshield again. So it was really a really, really good read and it's really interesting and time Time travel tropes. The the time travel trope is is um, easily the most fascinating thing I can see in any fandom because you pick a writer up and they have time travel fic, you're gonna figure out exactly where they think canon went wrong <laughs> <laughs> and what they want to do about it. Which is why so many Harry Potter fics start at the very fucking beginning because we're like, he didn't even get any new shoes. <laughs> He's still wearing Dudley's trainers. <laughs> this cannot be done. We have to start over. <laughs> That's just when I read when I read a story, a tribe travel Harry Potter fic where Harry doesn't go and sort out his clothes. I'm like, I guess the wardrobe didn't bother him. But, <laughs> hmm. Okay. But yeah, you do see people's heads. You know, the funny is, I used to hate time travel stories. I used to hate them. Um. Like there was nothing. The only thing that could get me to, to out, outside of my squit, you know, my my triggers, outside of trigger stuff, like like rape, and whatnot. The only thing that could get me, the only trope that could get me to to to, to nope out of fix faster was amnesia. So it was like that was that was the bottom tier of tropes for me. There was amnesia at the bottom, and then there was time travel, <laughs> and I hated them with such a passion. And I think I can't even. I've probably read some bad time travel stories or something to have just brought about the level of loathing that I had for those stories. I can't think of what this, I, I blocked the stories out. So effectively, um, it's probably something that started back in the X-Files days or something. Um, but I just blocked that out of my head. Um, because and what changed my mind about time travel stories was um, more mages. Cause I, really? I went to your, I went to your, yeah, I went to your site and I read um, I read something else of yours first, but then then I, I think I read The Awakening first, and then I read um, you read Birth of the Serpent King. I read Birth of the Serpent King and I commented on Birth of the Serpent King and how much I liked it, and you said well you should go read War Mages and I was like man I read I read it. I thought it was time travel like she is cracked man I thought those other two stories were really good <laughs> maybe I should. <laughs> Maybe I should just 
try it just once. If I hate it, if it's just drive, drive me crazy, I'll, I'll just say no. And I'll just nope out, and she'll never know the difference. <laughs> so <laughs> I read it. I read it, and I was like, oh, I really like that. And I was like, oh, I like that so much. Thank it fixed you. everything. <laughs> For me, and, um, um... Now, Black Magic, which is the first story in the War Majors trilogy, um, I have a whole composition notebook dedicated to War Mages. And so the plot for that old Black Magic is just um, the foundation for what comes next. Um, and there's a line in that old Black Magic near the very end where um, they're, they've met fate and she's told them, she told Harry that he was the most beloved of her war mages. Uh, I think a lot of people, when they read War Ma- the um, the first book in War Mages, that they believe that the War Mages are just Draco and Harry, but that's not what it is. All the boys that are in their conclave in that ritual are her War Mages. Oh. And yeah. <laughs> And so in plotting book two and three, um, Harry and Draco are coming to terms with what their failure in the original timeline wrought. Um, Draco being marked, never reaching um, their true potential as a bond, uh, as a bonded pair, um, how the boys around them um, flailed and never reached their potential either. Um, they were all in some way or another miserable Um and the death of Fred, who, you know, it's just, it's one thing after another, and it's piling on them. And so um, developing that theme, uh, my plot reads like another book. <laughs> it, it's it's really, <laughs> when I'm, when I have a hard time thinking about other stuff, I'll get that notebook out and I'll read through it. And the whole thing plays in my head like this giant movie. So, Those are the ones um, that I know. I, I have with with stuff I see that clearly in my head. I have one, there's one of two ways that's going to go. If I can see it so clearly that it's like a movie, either it's gonna it's gonna be great. Like it's gonna come out. I just know it's gonna be great when it's done because I can see it so clearly. Um, or I am gonna just spend too much time with the movie and to overtell the story to myself <laughs> because when I can see it that clearly, it's hard to get it out of my head. And I'll just let the movie keep running. <laughs> and then I'm like, I, I oh, have that problem. I've written the I'm, first five chapters film. of book two. Um, let me find it. Yeah, it's called Those Magic Changes. Um, all three books are named after, um, have magic in the title, and they're all three songs. Um, that Old Black Magic, which is actually about love, Love is the Black Magic. Um, those magic changes, and then the last book um, will be called "And Magic Will Never Die." Um, and it's really about—it's just about um, the mistakes you make and how those mistakes can ripple out and impact the whole world, great and small. And so when time travel, um, you you take your characters back in time to those little mistakes that got made 
and you change them. But as a writer, you have to recognize that when you make those changes, there's going to be ripples that you can't control. Um, I'm writing a story called The Black Dragon where Harry has gone back in time with with, with the Lord of Magic. He he is there as well. Um, and Hermione is there, and she's she's asked him if they should be changing these events if they because then they won't be able to control what happens next. And Harry tells her there there is no control when free will is involved. A single sentence said to someone that wasn't said before in the first timeline can change everything. Mm-hmm. So there's no such thing as control. The moment yeah. they went back in time, everything is up for grabs. You you can't determine what other people are going to do. If you go back to third year, maybe Peter doesn't run fast enough and he gets killed by Mooney. Maybe Snape brings the potion when he goes searching for Lupin, like a responsible adult would have. And Lupin doesn't become a problem. Which would alter things dramatically. Maybe the kids overshot their wad on that spell and did Snape permanent damage. <laughs> Holy shit, we didn't mean to break his neck. That's unfortunate. And the fun and the Plus funny thing about Peter. Her, it was Pettigrew's fault. He's the one who shot the curse. Um the um one of the things about when I when I read time travel stories, when they resonate the the most with me is when there is that element of unpredictability where it almost feels like, but not quite, I don't ever want to feel like the author is taken by surprise in their story <laughs> because that's bad juju, but where you almost feel like that the author didn't anticipate that, you know, it almost feels like the author is as surprised as you are in the way everything is going. And it just, it, it, when the characters really resonate that things are unpredictable and, um, you just don't want things to be too, too packed, too, too. Because sometimes um, I can't even remember the story um, or the context. Of, I can't remember the fandom actually. Because um, it wasn't actually. I think it said it wasn't a very good story actually. But what resonated about this one part was that something had changed that the character did not anticipate having changed. They didn't think they'd done anything to bring about that change. And they never knew done. They had just something was different, and they didn't know what about their 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 appearance in the past um, had made something different. But all of a sudden, something was different, and they and that, there was something that seemed so um, genuine about the characters being, and, and that could have been, you know, uh, a, a sort of a hail mary on the part of the author that they wanted something to happen. And I'd like to think it was deliberate, but they wanted something to happen and they couldn't explain how it happened. So they just said that, you know, oh, I don't know how this came about. But it seemed so genuine in the character that they were befuddled about what they did that made 
things different. Um, and there was even, I think there was even a pondering of like, was it just his awareness of the future that had made a difference? What, because he couldn't think of what he had done differently. Um, that may have been why it didn't stick with me is because he wasn't trying to do anything differently. Because I don't see the point of time travel if you're going to try to make everything the same. <laughs> Sorry, travel. I hate time. that. Don't write everything the same. Don't 17 years just, exactly the same. Don't. How can Bilbo <laughs> go back in time and still get caught by trolls? Happens right? every damn time. Every damn time it happens. You know what those and also, do. You know they're not going to be watching the ponies. <laughs> here's, Unless here's you're making out with Thorin. Why? 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 Would, and I did it too. I did it too. Why? Why do they have to start at the beginning of the quest when they go back in time? They all make it to the damn mountain alive. Okay, they're all there. They've got their friendships. They got their shit down. I mean, it is done. And they, the it goes to shit when they get in the mountain. So why, oh, why <laughs> don't the fucking time travel start like right there when they find the goddamn door? I, I didn't do it either. Just being thrown over the head with a two by four outside of of you know Erebor. Deal with the dragon and move on. Now before, don't ever let him get his hands on the Ark and Stone and just. Just. <laughs> it's like going back in time to do this fucking shopping spree. Someone just said time travel for Rogue. They sent her to a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There is actually a fic in Harry Potter called The Time Meddlers where um where Harry and Hermione go back in time and Harry um is got a little bit more freedom than she does um and he ends up in the Department of Mysteries um and to steal a time turner so they can do some you know so so they'll have alibis for the shit that they're going to be doing right um and while he's down there in the Department of Mysteries, he sets Dolores Umbridge up. And he destroys the time turners, except for the one he stole, um, to cover up that they're not all there. Um, and basically sets her up like it looks like she did it because she was drunk and she ends up going to Azkaban. Azkaban. And um, when she gets out, she turns into a dark lord. Like, she is like three times more vicious than Voldemort ever wished he was. <laughs> and there's that expected for you. <laughs> and it's all Harry's fault because he got a little bit of revenge but didn't follow through. So, like, when I took him back in time for Darkly Loyal, Harry got revenge on Dolores by killing her. <laughs> Harry got revenge on everybody Don't by killing him. Don't leave enemy behind to come back to get you. That's right. It's called The Time Meddlers, and it's by... Um, 
W-I-T-O-W-S-M-P, and it's on fanfiction.net, and I'll put a, a link up there. That's not a name. That's just letters, randomly chosen. And I'm making a list for those of you who are listening to the podcast. I'm going to make a list, and I'm going to try to put it on the summary if we don't have too many because there is a word limit on how much I can put on there. Anyways, I'm I'm making an effort, okay? <laughs> yeah, never leave an enemy behind <laughs> to stab you in the back because she ended up vicious. She was evil. <laughs> so evil, Snape was afraid of her. <laughs> Yeah, when we go to <laughs> when we get we think I think we think about um time travel stories. Like the best of them that come to my mind easily are in fantasy the fantasy genres. Um Harry Potter, The Hobbit. I mean The Hobbit, I love me some time travel in The Hobbit. Um because there is the no better way to fix it. Um <laughs> but just once, I'd like, even for myself, but I am guilty of it too, um, of of making them start over at the quest. Because I do have one called Spiritborn. It's time travel. for. Um, but I took them back five years before the quest so that I could train them in the gifts that I gave them in the background. So that was with purpose. Um, but I don't intend for it to go the same way it went, you know. Like already they've picked up an it wife. Elrond's sons actually killed the trolls before they ever got there. Um, and so, you know, my favorite part of that story is the Ent Wife. She has a weapon now. <laughs> <laughs> An Ent Wife needs a weapon. <laughs> they made her a Warhammer out of an old anvil. <laughs> I'm super excited. <sighs> but you know, it's funny because the the um, the fantasy. I, I, I when I think about stories, fandoms, I like reading sci-fi. I mean, uh, time travel. And it is fantasy. I mean, time travel is canon, and a lot of. Um, I mean, time travel isn't canon in The Hobbit, really. Not exactly. Um, and but it's perfect there. We just we need it so bad. Um, and but it, they have that whole bit... complex of gods that you can blame. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like Mahal is really unhappy um, with all that shit that happens, so we're going to fix that. Um, and then you have, um, in Harry Potter, of course, you've got magic is, is a great mechanism for time travel. And now time travel is very canon in many sci-fi, but I, it's really rare that with a sci-fi show that I uh, dig time travel. Uh, and I'm not sure... I'm not sure what that's about. Um, yeah, because time travel Hoth- is canon in Stargate and Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Star um, Trek, yes. Star Wars could do with some good time travel. I mean, there could be some great time travel fixes in Star Wars, but uh, it's just, I don't know what it is about the sci-fi time travel that I just, I kind of go, hmm. I guess it's because I wrote one for Stargate and I was really I surprised. Because I'd never really done one before, and I don't know why. <laughs> when I start I them over, because... you know, I just do an AU. I, I, I don't do a time travel. But I did do one, and I, I enjoyed it. You did do one, yeah. 
It was good. It was very Thanks. good. I really it was just it. not. I reread. I reread that recently. Iterum. Um, Iterum. Yeah. Is how I say it. I'm not sure if that's how you say it, but that's how I say it. It's my story. Um, <laughs> all that matters. It was. Um, it was really easy to write. And yet, I'm like, well, how have I never done that before? Because <laughs> it seems so weird, right? I have a whole bunch of AUs of Stargate where I've started them over um, in different circumstances. But um, to do a time travel, it, it was just really, honestly, I would have a hard time mentally picking out a Stargate time travel story that that is among my favorites. And it is canon, so it doesn't make any sense that... One thing I loathe is the time loop. Time loop... uh, Generally, I don't like time loops. Um, It depends upon how funny they are. But there's um, psychological damage that isn't accounted for ever in, in those fix and even in the show where they did that with Jack and Tilk. Um now granted they really didn't have any um traumatic experiences to deal with. There was one in the Hobbit fandom where Bilbo kept dying, um and and, and every time he died the quest started over. And at at on one um loop it got all the way to the part where Thorin hung him over the wall in the movie, and Thorin dropped him. But it's not on purpose. I mean, he tried to save him, but it was too late. Um, but in the next time loop, um, Bilbo was petrified of Thorin. And it was really well done, the way the, the author dealt with it. Um, and sometimes Bilbo will be like, fuck it, I'm staying home. <laughs> I mean, you might last a couple of weeks, and you're thinking, damn trolls. <laughs> Wake up again, fuck, fucking trolls. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I always thought about. Do you remember? You remember in Galaxy Quest, they had the secret, the the big, you know, the big, the thing was the Omega Thirteen, and they're like nobody knew what it did. And um, finally, one of the one of the guys says, "We think what it does is it affects a thirteen second time jump into the past." Um, and um, and I said, what could that be? And he said, well, you could give you time to correct one mistake kind of thing. And they take it very serious. It's a very serious thing in Galaxy Quest, which was kind of bizarre since it's a very funny movie. Um, but the Omega-13, aside from the absurdity of a 13-second time jump into the past, um, it was treated very with a lot of you know, gravity in the, in the movie. But I had to have this funny for somebody who has like a pocket Omega-13, and they just abuse the fuck out of it to take 13-second time jumps <laughs> into the past every time somebody pisses them off. <laughs> like somebody irritates them, they slap them and press their pocket omega thirteen <laughs> jump back in time and go, And what were you saying? <laughs> time travel. That's abuse. almost <laughs> as abusive as I would be if I had one of those men in black things. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Neuralizers. <laughs> but actually first rate time travel is funny because I think one of the things about when you're talking about a contemporary setting, you have to account for things in ways you don't. Your characters have to be much more like you. You kind of, you kind of touched on a little bit in Iterum, which was that they were super careful 
well, Rodney more than John, about how they interacted <laughs> with the world and what they changed. It's like, what are we going to change? We're going to let it happen. We need to kind of keep things going in this direction so that these things happen. But, I mean, John was trying to change as much as he could without, like, derailing the Stargate program. Um, and whereas Rodney was trying to change nothing. And so you got to kind of see those two different approaches and how they kind of work differently for them. Yeah. And yeah. when you do a contemporary time travel, you just be mindful of that in a way that is, um, I think when I read even a fantasy time travel story, where they're being too careful of the consequences, I think that's probably one of the things that is a, why I don't like contemporary setting is because it's realistic that they would have to be super careful. Um, but when I was making the decision about how that careful. would go in the plot, when I made a decision about how, how John and Rodney would approach um, being in the past, um, I looked at their characters and when you look, when you look at the characters of McKay and Shepard, um, in the in the moment when, when they go back in time, um, John is is settled. He's not happy, but he's not unhappy. And Rodney is miserable and furious. But if you back it up a year or maybe two before they go back in time. John's life is livable, but it's not what he wants. He doesn't have his father. He doesn't have his brother. Um, his, his one remaining brother who's alive is 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 um, they're estranged. Um, and Rodney's life is okay. And so when you put the characters back in time, I thought to myself, okay, here's a character, John, who knows what happens to him if he loses his brother, Matt. He knows what happens if he doesn't keep a relationship with his father. And he's not prepared to live that life again. Whereas McKay goes back in time and makes very subtle changes because he is prepared to live that life again to a certain point. And that's just how I... I looked at them because John developed a kind of a Teflon exterior and just everything just kind of slid off of him where Rodney endured. So when John goes back in time and he's thrown into his 16-year-old body or 15-year-old body and he comes face to face with his father who's been dead to him for, for many years, um, he has to... He doesn't have any of those defenses. He doesn't have any. He's just wide open, and he's he's hurt. But Rodney's in a different position when he comes back in time. He's already in school. He's already um, moved away from his family to a, a great deal. He's practically already a little bit estranged from his sister. But he can repair that. He's not in a position where he is deeply unhappy. And so that's where I'm. I made those decisions because Rodney endures a lot. But John wasn't prepared to do that again. Because John's already been to that point where he lost 
everything. Because he says it in the end that he, that he had nothing. That he had and nothing I think to lose. I think that to me that was super appealing is because in a in a time travel I want to see the whole, you know, it was bad enough that we had to time travel, so we're going to make it. They're going to make it as good as we can. And I mean, but I, I I did love the, love the juxtaposition of, of them meeting together, getting together, and Robbie being like, oh, "Here I am trying to to not change anything, and you just said to fuck it." You fuck everyone in the Marines. <laughs> what the hell? I didn't look for you in the Marines. <laughs> um, what is wrong with you? You've had too much therapy. <laughs> and it was. Um, I love the whole, I'm just going to embrace changing things. Cause it's the, I think that it, it, it becomes a little too careful with the timeline. Um, I don't know. I mean, I get it. I get being careful with the timeline, sort of, maybe. Like, I don't know. It depends on how far you travel back in time. There was a show last season um, that I, I started off kind of liking, but then it just, the formula got old and, it got stupid. Um, one thing that was very really unsatisfying about, though, was they're they're traveling back massively in history, like you know the the, the Hindenburg and, and you know when Abe Lincoln was shot and just all these different events. Um, and they're trying super hard not to change anything. And and what happens is in, inevitably, of course, something happens because they're there. The change thing, and then the rest of the episode is them trying to correct their changes to the timeline. But um, that seems impossible. Yeah, it it was it was it was impossible. It was because um, like the first one, they thought they corrected the changes that they had made, and this is the pilot episode. They think that they've corrected the changes that they've made, and then they get back to the future, and something about just a tiny change that that happened, which was a very small change that had happened, um, caused her sister to no longer exist. Well, and <clears throat> I know, and so. And so, and then right there, instead of instead of her being, they set it up where instead of her being the foil to make sure, because she's there to make sure the timeline is preserved, and all of a sudden she has incentive now to no longer make sure the timeline is preserved. So you could tell they were kind of giving her um, a reason to change the timeline at some point in time. But um, the careful preservation of the timeline can get really tedious. Um, and there have been, there've been sci-fi movies that have done time travel really well, um, that have been entertaining. I don't know. There's something about, um, you know, in the fantasy genres when they go back in time, more often you typically see that, oh, we're going to just fuck this shit up. <laughs> we are going Why to raise the future to the ground. <laughs> and it's... We're going to watch this bitch oh, burn, burn, baby, okay. burn. There's something very satisfying about that. There's something very satisfying. The other thing that I can be a little bit of a difficult thing for me in time travel, I know people really like it, is when one character knows, only one character knows, only one character ever knows, and they never reveal. Um, that can either be very frustrating or very satisfying. It probably, for me, because I'm kind of perverse, depends upon the degree of fuckery that they have embarked upon. <laughs> um, if, if they're fucking with things massively, and it's like this little game, and you know, they're like, they're like little, little playing chess with the future, and they never tell anybody about it, that's kind of awesome, you know? Um, I'm fucking you but, up, and you don't even know. 
ruined all your plans. But my, I really enjoyed Darkly Loyal for that because I just, fuck it, everybody dies. That's right, fuck you I'm all. killing all you bitches. But you see the terrible influence on me you are? I went from time travel, no way, no way, to writing to writing stories. To writing a time travel story. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. And I'll probably do fandom. another for, for for April. I'll probably do another time travel story because I, I just am, don't see a point in not. I'm on the fence about my April. So April um, is our Harry Potter theme. We're going to it's called Call It Magic, um, and um, I <laughs> I have a couple of really good ideas. But my favorite is fast becoming what I'm calling the pocket guardian. <laughs> Where Harry goes to guardian. his vault his first year. And his vault guardian is a griffin and um, for the family vault. And um, he invites her to go to Hogwarts with him. And she says yes. <laughs> so he carries her around his pocket. She she shrinks down to like a beanie baby size, and he and and he puts her in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a cute idea. I love the idea of the pocket guardian. And then we were we were having a a, 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 a conversation um, while you were plotting that about like what what would you want for your pocket guardian, and um, did you decide if you wanted like a dragon or a unicorn? I think I wanted a unicorn. A unicorn, a pocket oh, unicorn. Oh, a dragon has. I want a dragon has appeal too because then you can like, you know, make him shoot people with fire. <laughs> and I, I, I decided I wanted a little pocket basilisk, so I had a little teeny tiny death with me everywhere I went. <laughs> it's like a death ray. <laughs> I don't know how he died. We were talking. He just keeled over. It's just stunning. Heart attack, maybe. You can check my wand. I didn't fire an AK at him. No. I have no idea what happened. But yeah, I'm I'm really amused with the whole idea of the Bucket Guardian and I have I have plotted it, um so we'll see. Um because it's amusing as 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 all as as all fuck. I mean, just seriously, just the idea of him having this um tiny, tiny pocket guardian in his pocket, but she's actually a ten foot griffin. <laughs> Who uh-huh. thinks she's in charge? <laughs> <laughs> she probably is in charge. She is in charge. She's definitely in charge. She's large and in charge. You got a ten foot griffin telling you what to do. You do it. <laughs> you obey. <laughs> yes, ma'am. But anyways, that's uh, not a time travel. Uh, but I, I honestly, um, I really enjoy the time travel. Um, trope. Um, I, I love to read it. I I love to write it. Uh, I like giving a character all the information they need to fuck somebody up. That's immensely satisfying. Immensely satisfying. And I needed a body count in Darkly Lowell. I have a spreadsheet. I've shared it. It, it exists. 
You did Message, need to keep track. perpetrator, affiliation. Otherwise, t- Otherwise, just because you want to, you would, you know, just just because of, it, just because at a, at a strict fight, you'd kill the same character three or four times. You mean I've I'd have probably killed Severus State like you, every chapter if I hadn't had him in my database. Are you sure State's already dead? Are you sure? Read again. <laughs> I'm sure he's okay. still alive. He died in chapter three. That sucks. Um, but yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I I had to have a body count. There, there there was no way around it. It was ridiculous. Um, you know, one of the I don't things, know if it's about... the highest body count in a Harry Potter fic, but I think I'm probably pretty close to the top. <laughs> of named characters, yeah. Because I mean, some some books have <laughs> thousands of nameless dead, but of named characters dead, yeah, it's probably pretty close to the top. <laughs> um, you know, it's fine. There's this, there's this. When it comes to time travel, writing time travel, you have to decide. There's a couple of approaches. Um, like, are you going to have like one of the things to, to explain the time travel paradox, right? Um, some people sort of resolve that through magic. One way of approaching the time travel paradox is to to make sure that. Um, I read one recently where um, basically the whole book was leading up to the point in time when that character would go back in time again. Um, so there's the, there's the loop um, where the person only lives their life to a certain point and then they go back in time and start over. Um, and then there's um, the alternate um, sort of Every time you, you go tra- travel in time, you're actually traveling into a, an alternate universe, which actually is kind of depressing. Um, can be, not necessarily, but it can be. Because let's say Harry travels back in time to fix some great um, catastrophe in the past. And he, um, he fix, prevent magic from dying or, or whatever kind of thing. He goes back, and he goes back to a different dimension. That means, and if the audience knows that, it means we know magic died in the dimension Harry was from, right? It's implicit right. in the world building. And that can get kind of sad, especially if they have to do it repeatedly to get it right. <laughs> and I have read that story um, where it was, they repeatedly had to go back, and then they find out that they're spinning off multiple dimensions every time they do this with tragic consequences in all of those dimensions. Um and it's kind of, it's kind of sad. Um, so there's, but there's, you have to decide what your approach to the time travel is going to be, what your hand wave is going to be. Um, and I'm fine with a hand wave. Like I use the big, I, I use the giant hand wave for the paradox in um, Silver and Black, where when the question of the paradox was raised, um, Death just kind of looked at, um, the head of the Wormages division, like, you think that magic and I can't handle a little tiny thing like a paradox? Um, and I was like, your, oh, sorry. She's like, what she's saying is, you got your people mixed up. <laughs> and that was my hand wave. I acknowledged it. So I, I guess it wasn't a hand wave, like it was a lampshade. Um, and <laughs> um, I threw a lampshade over that and then called it done. Fine with that. I'm fine with it not being explained how the consequences are dealt with. I'm fine with you know with just a lampshading is a very powerful literary technique. Folks use folks use it. Just wave, wave your wave your magic wand and make it happen. But it turns out what I'm not okay with is no explanation at all. 
for how the time travel happens. And this is what happens with contemporary um, time travel. I was reading a story, um, contemporary fandom kind of, some, some sort of crime drama, and uh, there's time travel, inexplicable. Was it, it in the never explained. I think it was. It wasn't. It, it, I, it, I don't think I've ever read it, Time Travel in NCIS, but um, it, it actually doesn't gel in my head. But I thought in this case that the, I, I picked up a story, I, I assumed the time travel would be explained at some point, how it was going to happen. And it was never explained why this person was time traveling. They just were. And that is also an okay choice. If you want to make that choice, it's fine. But it, I was just, I was so dejected <laughs> because. I, I need to know why. Even no if it's a voodoo priestess. A voodoo yeah, priestess. Tony steps into a fairy circle. <laughs> just, just, I'm fine just with the fairy ring. I don't care. Just something. Some reason for the time travel. And it, it was never explained. At the end of the story, and the author says there'll be no more, it is never explained why this character time traveled. Why they went back in time. Um, Never. <laughs> Still, I'm not over it. <laughs> I was like, why is this character jumping through time? That's and hilarious. Know, it, I couldn't cope. I couldn't deal. And I think that I would, I would, I have considered doing time travel in NCIS, writing time travel, but I would have to hook it to a fandom like um, Stargate so that there's some fandom where time travel exists. I just, I can be a little bit rigid about some things and you know time travel in a crime drama universe purely crime drama universe um, unless you're like doing a massive alternate reality it breaks my brain I'm like why how what is the mechanism they're not magic it, it, <laughs> if it's in if it's in there I, I, I need something I need something to explain it I gotta have something to, to hook my disbelief to my you know, suspension disbelief is a thing, and you got to give me something to just put that grappling hook on. <laughs> I have to suspend it from something because you can't suspend it from nothing. That's called free fall. <laughs> that caused major injury. Will your insurance cover that? It's unlikely in this economy. <laughs> it's like, I jump out I of the plane prefer... on purpose. If if I had a choice between time travel in The Hobbit and time travel in Stargate, I'd pick time travel in The Hobbit every single time. Every day. <laughs> every day. <sighs> you might be able to get me out for time travel um, on in, the, in Stargate, like, I don't know, on a blood moon or something, but probably not because blood moons are probably good for time travel um, in The Hobbit. Um <laughs> I don't know, I just have a preference. I mean, I, you know, but um, obviously I'll read it. I mean, I just, I've, I've never read any big ones in, in Stargate, which is really startling because time travel is actually canon <laughs> for Stargate. Yeah. Um, I think that with Stargate, it's really easy to, to push them back in time um, with a device, uh, even with the gate itself. Uh, but I chose the method I did in Iterum because I didn't want to deal with two versions of them. Because if you think about it, uh, in Stargate, when they travel back in time, is it 1969? Mm -hmm. 
think that's the name of the episode. When was Jack O'Neill born? He's the oldest of them. Tilk was definitely around on, on a different planet running around. So there's at least two versions of Tilk in that timeline at that moment when, 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 when they've gone back in time. And I'm pretty sure Jack there's a version of Jack O'Neill. Yeah, Jack O'Neill as well. So if you use the Stargate to send them back in time, you um, create a duplicate. It's basically like a time turner if you use the Stargate. Yeah, 52. So he, he he was definitely around. He wasn't much of a problem at that age, but seventeen. <laughs> but he probably 17. was a problem. Probably for probably some daddy. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> There's a set of parents out there who probably thought Jack O'Neill was a real problem, but um, it's uh. So when you're using the Stargate, you have to be careful. That's why I wanted to um. I kind of wanted to do that thing I do in in Harry Potter where I just kind of send their souls back. And I thought, well, how can I do that? Um, and then I thought, you know, immediately the, the most awesome thing you can do um, in Stargate is to have ancients do it because then you don't have to explain anything. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> the ancients did that shit. And because, you know, Ascension and... Um, How's that work, and and what do they do? And um, so it's it's really easy to to push um, back personality and memory um, using ascension and ancient technology than it would be just to use a Stargate by itself. Mm. But then I gave them an alternate universe. Yes, you did. I did. I gave them an alternate universe because I didn't want to fall into that trap of reliving all of the events that took place in the timeline, which you can, you know, when... Now, I've I've never been a slave to canon to begin with, um, but sometimes I try to pay attention to canon events, but if I put them in an alternate universe, it it opened up a lot of possibilities. for a different kind of Janai, uh, a, a different relationship with uh, with various people in Pegasus, and um, for Taylor to be um, what she is when they finally meet her, she's not quite the Taylor that um, they were expecting, um, because she actually is a seer. She she does have that gift, and she didn't have it in the alternate universe, and so just. Uh, or the original universe. And it's just something that I wanted to play with because uh, I thought if I'm going to be doing a time travel, I might as well have a little bit more fun with it, you know, and do something a little bit different. I think alternate dimension travel, time travel to an alternate dimension is a really interesting concept because it does give you the opportunity to open up stuff without um, having to have the author note from hell that says these are all the things that did or didn't happen. Um because, you know, it's an alternate, it's an alternate, alternate dimension. Um, and I understand that kind of author note. I mean, because when you're in fan fiction and you're making things not happen, you can't just have it disclosed in the narrative that this didn't happen. <laughs> just sort right, because it that's didn't like breaking, happen. That's breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> With a wall. That's like literally throwing a wall at the fourth wall. We just, what? Right. <laughs> 
and that might break like the universe right there. You just can't do it. Um, I so thought it was important to, about. to bring it to the reader's eye immediately, which is why when you when John um, finally sees Rodney um, for the first time, Rodney's in the chair, and so immediately the reader knows. Okay, that's different. <laughs> that's unexpected. What's going on with Rodney? Fuck. <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> But the other side of it is, is that when you do play with an alternate universe, you are abandoning the original. And I think that that, yeah. um, that can be potentially um, heartbreaking in, in certain fandoms, you know. There are so many alternate universes in Stargate. They're, they're canon. You know, they, they meet various versions of themselves all the time. <laughs> In the Daedalus episode, they met, well, not met, but they saw dead versions of themselves on that ship as it traveled from one timeline to the next, or alternate universe. Variations, Daedalus variations. <clears throat> and it, whether or not it's heartbreaking depends upon what's going on in that universe, you know. Um if if your universe has gone, you know, Why? like something. Well, if, if the universe is assholeish, um, and they're gonna and they treat John and Rodney terribly, and John and Rodney time travel to another dimension, um, and the other universe is sunk without John and Rodney there, there's something kind of viscerally satisfying about that. It's like, oh hey, you fucked an entire dimension. Go you. <laughs> It's like the great, it's the big double bird in the sky, you know. Um, they double bird an entire universe. Um, <laughs> but And fuck all, y'all. <laughs> something heartbreaking is going on, like they're traveling back in time to prevent the race from killing everybody um, and, and enslaving what's left of the human race or something like that. And they go back to another dimension instead, and they fix another dimension from falling to the race. Well, you've still got potentially billions of people in the galaxy that are enslaved and are being used as cattle to the race. So that could be very emotional. In Phoenix, um, Harry sends back his memories in a bracelet. And he does it in such a way that he branches time and destroys his own timeline. That's rough. His timeline ceases to exist the moment Harry puts that bracelet on. When when he meets the alternate version, when 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 he meets Phoenix in the um um room of requirement, the timeline that Phoenix came from disappeared. It branched. Now you can say that all the people in that original timeline are in the branch with Harry and Phoenix. Or not, depending on how you want to look at it, you know. He erased the future. So either all those people are on the new branch with Harry, 
or another version of those people are on the branch with Harry. But either way, Phoenix erased the timeline in front of him, and that's how I um, dealt with the paradox in, in Phoenix. That's really sad. <laughs> it's harsh. It is harsh. But sometimes you do harsh things in your stories. I mean, I don't mean you. I don't mean you specifically. Well, yeah, I do do. I've I've done some pretty harsh shit in my stories. (laughs) I murdered 55 people. No, actually, I can't even say that. I'm not not even sure what the number is, actually. Go on, be harsh. Go on. Just go on. Get down with your harsh self. The database for my, um, my... Body count is actually called the kill list. Because it's a list of people I have killed in that story and the people of the list who aren't dead yet. <laughs> but they're on the list. Because they're on the list to die. Country. So there are 60 deaths in um, Darkly Loyal so far. And I've got... Hold on. I've got 17 left to kill. Seventy-seven is a good number. That's a good number. I think 77 is a very so. good number. It feels it feels very magical. <laughs> if, if seven is good, 77 must be better. Must be better. That's right. <sighs> Yeah, seventy-seven. So I'm um, yeah, I'm 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 not quite finished killing them yet. But um, uh, when I was working on it last week, I killed um, Nicholas Flamel. Well, actually, Draco killed Nicholas Flamel. <laughs> I have I've killed sixty. I have seventeen more to kill. In my story, <laughs> I'm not a serial killer, except in this one story. Although, do you kill, if you kill somebody in every story you write, does that make you a serial killer? If that's the case, then I think in Darkly Little, then I'm probably just a spree killer. <laughs> Darkly Little is spree killing. That's true. Questions as a writer: <laughs> If you kill, if you make a point of killing somebody in every story you write, does that make you a serial killer? I'm willing to rise to that challenge. <laughs> I don't think I've killed somebody in every story I've written, though. Literally. I feel like an underachiever. It's terrible. But um, I do, I do, um, in, I, I really didn't expect to enjoy <laughs> killing people in Darkly Lull the way that I did. Because, honestly, I avoid character death. If you've read my other work, you would know that. I avoid character death like nobody's business. Even the characters and yet, who deserve it. And yet, <laughs> I didn't even kill Kevin Jordan and ties it by and he needed it. <laughs> that was a man who needed a killing. <laughs> I'm just saying. He needed it. Now, if... And random. This is a, I, this is a random in response to the chat room. Is if Dobby had a pocket guardian, it would totally be a volcano. You need a little side story called Dobby and the Pocket Volcano. 
No, I mean, I going into Doctor Little, I thought, my God, can I kill all these people in the story? Because I don't do that. Yes. Yes, I don't. I don't do character death as a rule. And come to find out, I, I could, and I did. In a variety of ways, it doesn't feel like I'm retreading. It quickly. I, actually, I don't. I knew there were some deaths I was expecting, like really early on. I was like, okay, we're gonna. Yeah. Actually, when the first like vengeful death happened outside of Molly, um, when they killed Dolores just for a moment, I was actually startled. <laughs> I was reading, going, "Whoa, Harry's Harry's birthday present." Yeah, I was like, "Whoa." I didn't expect. I mean, I knew they were going to kill people, but I I thought there might be some planning or something. I don't know. That was really great. Why hey, am I enjoying this so much? Opportunity not. <laughs> it was a twofer. It was a twofer. It was Dolores and Grip Hook. Happy birthday, Harry Potter. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he so pleases himself. And I was like, can I really write that that way? Yes, I can. I was like, this is just, this is terrible. And at that point, I just embraced it. I was like, okay, fine. He's, they're just going to be vicious little sociopaths. I mean, and just, they're, they're 100% done. They left all their give a fucks in the future. <laughs> they got to live about 10 years before they catch up on those things. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if you we did a a a, a back in time for the Hobbit and Bilbo was just vicious? <laughs> you know, like, I am um, trolls. He just shot all the trolls in the head with something. I'd give him a crossbow. That'd be fun if 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 Bilbo had a crossbow. See, now Azure messed me up because I my first thought when you said was it something and I'm like a potato. <laughs> <laughs> potato. No, not a potato. No, not a potato. <laughs> Let's not go down that road again because it is my no, fault. I, I, can't, I don't I remember can't do it. Again. But I know that, that I'm to blame for for that particular thing. I know it's my fault. But you never know now, when your so. sarcasm is going to go back to bite you. That's true. Um, <laughs> back in time crack fic. I think in some respect, all time travel fic is crack. Except for the people who do like this weird dystopian thing with their time travel. <laughs> I, mean, that takes some, well, I don't that understand takes that. The whole point behind time travel is to is to to um, make new friends and fuck things up, <laughs> right? But it's I mean that takes some solid brass balls as a writer to take a trope that is designed to fix things and make things worse. <laughs> I mean, go you for embracing on that. You know, it's like wow, dude. You ever be reading something and just like you just stop and just just look around to <laughs> am I reading? What the fuck am I reading? Why am, what is this? And then you go back to reading it because you can't help yourself. I had that moment several times yeah. last month. It's called I call it train wreck syndrome. It's like what what? I, you know, I had a friend 
and we were talking about I was I was we, we got stuck we, we drove together somewhere every every other Wednesday night in rush hour traffic in San Francisco and so we we would sometimes traffic would be terrible and it would be because it's an accident and there's people and I, I was so frustrated with rubbernecking because I was totally rubbernecking uh, that's what that is people get up they get up there it's like going slowest at the accident and it's like oh because people are stopping to look and I was so irritated. He goes, that doesn't bother me. And I said, what? How does that bother you? He says, well, I figure I've sat in this, uh, I've sat in this, this traffic jam. I, it's, I'm, I'm going to get my turn to look. So I'm going to look. So it doesn't bother me that everybody else is doing it too. I, I did my time in this traffic jam. <laughs> I just feel like that's the, That's what it is like with <laughs> the train wreck stuff. It's like, I did my time with this thing. I'm going to finish it by God. I have paid my dues. I'm gonna Meanwhile, watch this your personal office camera is getting a whole bunch of what the fuck looks. I don't care how crazy it is. I don't care how many times I've double burgered my monitor. I have done my time. I'm going to watch the collision. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then we do share. Sharing uh. is... It's not caring. I'm going to tell you bitches something. I go to bed last night like an irresponsible adult. I was adulting all over the place, right? (laughs) You guys, you guys, I get up. I have a full day today. I have to take my husband somewhere because we got to do something. Um, And um, I was like, I got all my stuff done. I did some laundry. I sit down at my computer. For those of you who don't know, I share, we have, you know, on um, Facebook Messenger, you can have group conversations. Well, I have a group conversation with Lady Holder, Azure, and Jilly, and Senna, and Original Tempest. It's our, it's one of our mod chats for um, for various projects that we do, because they're, they're, we're all moderators together on a bunch of these projects, Wild Hair, Rough Trade, Facebook groups. Anyways. I sit down at my desk and I turn on the instant messenger. And these bitches, while I was asleep, and I didn't read all the way up because I didn't want to know how it started. We're talking about Peter, Peter Pettigrew and Lady Rats doing what rats do. And whether or not it would be considered bestiality if he was in his animagus form. <laughs> and then there was a discussion about whether or not that was the worst thing he'd ever done, and they agreed that it wasn't. Well, I think, and my, my point was then, as it is now, that getting James and Lily killed is slightly worse than the... Bestiality. Bestiality. That's how I feel about it. That's how I feel about it. That's what I woke up to. That's just me being... I'm adulting, and, and I sit down at my desk, and that's what I get exposed to. Rat yeah, bestiality. Well, I, I, I t- t- now to be fair, I was, 
I hadn't been on Facebook or Messenger for a couple of days, and I crawled into bed last night, and I um, and notification was on my phone about um, with, with do they think Pettigrew was having rat sex with rats while he was while he was in his rat form, and I was just like, huh. Now, I could ignore that. I can't ignore that. I can't ignore it. That's what my, that's where my brain went. First, I said, well, I, I could ignore that and keep going to bed. No, I can't. I can't ignore that. I have to deal. I have to engage in this discussion. I have to have it. <laughs> the thing is, is I can't even really say anything too badly about it because – um, for those of you who've read Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, you know, there's a whole side, side plot where Voldemort impregnated Nagini. No, you really can't say anything about those. No. And, and yes, I do think there is probably a certain amount of um, half Peter Pettigrew little rat babies running around the burrow. That is my headcanon now. Thank you, bitches chat. Well, it's actually my headcanon that Peter is actually Ron's father. That would explain a lot. Wouldn't it? Mm. (laughs) Azure. (laughs) No. We're going to have to have a time travel on this discussion. <laughs> we need that 13-second alpha thing. <laughs> I need the omega-13. Where is it? <laughs> well, Molly had red hair, so why couldn't he got that red hair from his mama? I cannot believe, as you're, I know you're looking for it. For those of you on the podcast, I'm going to share with you what Azure put in the chat room, so you won't be in the dark. She said, "It be a blessing." There's one where Harry, come on now. There's one where Harry gets cursed into a squid and mates with the giant squid, and they have babies, and he brings them scraps from the kitchen as parental support. <laughs> The baby squid. Wait, does that mean the giant squid's a girl? Because often I've read um, giant squid fix. I've read one once where I was just—I don't know why I did it. You know, sometimes in the middle of the night, you'll be over at the pit, and and you'll do some, and you'll click on something you you really shouldn't have clicked on, but you read it anyway because you're crazy. Well, once I read a fix, I'm very giant squid had a crush on Hogwarts. <laughs> he had a crush on Hogwarts, and he kept trying to romance her. I'm very disturbed right now, because I don't know about the pit, which is where Azure says that this thick lives, but on AO3, there are eight stories that appeared for giant squid and Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> this hasn't been done once. It's been done more than once. Oh, The pit is uh, fanfiction.net, and my personal nickname for AO3 is the Abyss. <laughs> uh-huh. If you sink into AO3, you come out 10 days later. 
Yeah, actually, apparently, Harry is also making it with the Ford, uh, the 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 flying Ford. The Ford story. No, the no, Ford, on, the Ford, no. the car. The Ford, the Ford Angelina. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Harry's getting around. Oh, this must be like a most tingly things. I, anyway. You know what? You don't need to think too hard about it, how it works. You just, you just, <sighs> some things you just need to let I, it go. I refuse to think about how it works. I just, is it a stick shift? Is the question. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you went too far. You went too far. She found it. She found the link. I am not putting that it's, link on my podcast. It isn't time travel thick. It's not going up there. Regardless. Okay. Back to time travel. I used to travel back to before. I wish we of it. Um, no, I haven't read that story. What's the point? I did read a thick where Steve got turned into an octopus, um, but it honestly wasn't much of a personality change. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. So that Harry Potter squid fic is labeled possible squick. Possible? Huh. Possible. Okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate their faith and their readers and their and their constitution. Possible squick. Okay, so let's let's address this issue because I I'd like to have this discussion way more times than a person should have to have in um, their life about whether or not, let's say, Peter having sex with a lady rat is bestiality or not, or Harry having Harry is a squid having sex with another squid is bestiality or not. Or, you know, Han Solo having sex with Chewbacca is bestiality. The answer is it depends upon the level of sentience of the other partner. Chewie was a fully sentient, intelligent being capable of giving informed consent, conceivably. Um, conceivably. Therefore, therefore, I mean, provided, you know, that you spoke Wookiee, I mean, it, this seems like there could be a communication barrier there. And, and Han but, apparently did. He always knew what, he always he, knew what he Chewie was so, saying. So, no, it's not bestiality. And I have seen Star Wars stories that were Chewie Han labeled for bestiality. That is, just because someone is furry does not make them an animal. So, well, if the giant squid is a sentient creature, like some other magical species, like a centaur or something that is intelligent and can give consent and has a... I would say no, probably not. If, however, it's just a squid, then yes, it is. It's totally bestiality. And I've had to have this conversation at least a dozen times in my life, and that just seems like too much. It seems like too much. <laughs> not an actual animal. Then no. 
Yeah, and people do like to think that just because something has hair on it, it makes it. So I somebody was labeling. I saw some Beauty and the Beast stories labeled for bestiality. I'm like, just because that's his nickname does not make him an actual animal. Uh. Okay, but um, Harry can speak to snakes. Okay, now don't go there. <laughs> I went there. You went there, but see, it depends upon the level. You, you, we tend to, in Harry Potter stories, ascribe a very high level of intelligence to snakes. Not every Harry Potter story does. You know, some Harry Potter stories just kind of like they're like kind of yes, no. Where's my sunlight? Apply <laughs> you know, the heating charm so I can get warm. Sort of very primitive, but I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you're that you're. There's a fine line there, and you're right on it with that question. <laughs> <sighs> and the and the problem with fine lines is that you can cross them really easily. <laughs> Oh come on, Azra! You, we're not letting you out on uh, to go to go thick diving anymore. <laughs> go get in the corner. You should you should still be in the corner from last night anyway. Miss, I was asleep. I think you started that conversation. Now that I have to make all the snakes and all of my stories stupid just because of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, as far as Harry Potter tropes go, um, the parcel mouth stuff, and I love it. It's it's one of my favorite things. Um, I I, um, I I really 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 enjoy it. I'd like to do a, a, um, a series of adult Harry Potter exploring parcel magic. I, I think that'd be a lot of fun. But would you do like a time travel, like a before it to fix all the shit, or like just pick it up from the crap? Well, you don't have to do a time travel to write an adult Harry Potter in a world where he didn't have to go through all that shit. Well, that's true. And courting Harry, um, and courting Hermione Granger, um, Harry was raised by Sirius. That's true. You just kind of addressed it in broad, broad strokes, and didn't actually write that the the backstory. I hate harem fix. Mm-hmm. I hate them. It makes me want to stab people. And there are so many harem fics in Harry Potter. It just just, you know what? The boy needs socks and underwear. He doesn't need ten witches. I know Harry was deprived before he got to Hogwarts, but that really should not equal a bunch of sex slaves. Because it's be a big difference between. Um, he like can have two partners. Party. He can have a threesome. I'm I, I'm on board with a threesome, obviously. Um, it's just, a harem is an entirely different thing. 
a heroin yeah. reality <laughs> is is not sexy. It's not romantic. <clears throat> because in in a harem, one person that's the function of the harem is is, is the center. And they have, you know, it's it's a one to many um, relationship, as opposed to like in a you know if you had. 12 people living together who all slept with each other, that'd be a many-to-many relationship. It's big old poly party. Um, in which case, you know, you'd have men and women or in, in represented in the harem conceivably. But when it, the way harem fix are written is it's hairy and usually it's hairy in a lot of women. And they're not having relationships with each other, typically. And if they are, they're inconsequential relationships compared to Harry is the primary relationship, which is just, eh. yeah, make me feel dirty. We need time travel fix for that. I'm going to time travel, I'm going to time travel, deal with this harem. There is a fic where... Harry is basically um, a mercenary, and um, Hermione is the headmistress of Hogwarts, and um, Susan Bones is has got her aunt's job, and they're all kind of unhappy, and they meet for a reunion at um, Hogwarts, and Hermione admits that she has um, figured out how to travel back in time, and uh, she'd like to do it because. Um, she's been killing Death Eaters for years, and um, Luna is running out of excuses not to arrest her. Because <laughs> Luna is the head cop after Susan. Anyways, um, so they go back in time. And <clears throat> Harry, um, during his his time before they go to Hogwarts, uh, leaves the Dursleys and uh, goes on a hunt and finds... Voldemort, and he finds all the Horcruxes, and he's got them all in a trunk, you know, to 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 deal with later. And um, the girls are are in various um, stages of of fucking everything up. Hermione's gone to college because fuck it, she can't she she can't handle primary again. And um, you know, Susan's writing books on defense, and she's publishing them under a pen name. And so, regardless, these kids are slash adults are doing their thing. Well, they get to school. And to hide what they're doing, they all sort into Slytherin because the Slytherin house is practically empty because Harry's been running around killing Death Eaters who happen to all be in Slytherin. So they started to think Slytherin's a curse. And so they're encouraging their kids to store anywhere but Slytherin, right? So when Harry and his little group of, of vicious little girls get to Hogwarts, they're all like, fuck it. We're going to be in um, Slytherin. So they go to Slytherin, and to hide what they're doing, they pretend to be his harem, right? And he's only gone to Hogwarts specifically to kill Snape. That's his goal. That's why he's there, right? First potion class, Neville accidentally blows Snape up. Harry is devastated. Absolutely devastated. And Neville gets a whole bunch of um, girlfriends <laughs> from various years um, in response to him having killed Snape by accident. 
<laughs> called the reunion, and it's on the pit. Um, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's not meant to be taken seriously. And after a while, they get bored with um, Hogwarts, and they all leave and buy some um, buy a big ranch in Australia. <laughs> And I'm not sure if he actually ends up with any of them. And what's it called? The Reunion. The Reunion. I believe so. I'm I'm looking it up now. Uh, that was a terrible Google search for me because I got Harry Potter cast reunion, which isn't what I was going for at all. Yeah, it's 61,000 words. Obviously, I've left a lot out of the plot. Um... Oh, it's a Rorschach's blot story. Yeah, of course. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. But there's a part where they're where they're hiding their um their 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 business and um they've got this spell that makes people who are trying to eavesdrop on them hear different conversations than what they're actually talking about. And the spell, um the teachers are convinced basically that the spell um is um all the little girls are calling Harry Daddy and asking for ponies. <laughs> but yeah, Neville kills Snape and Harry is just he's he's devastated. He just it's just more than he could take. That was his whole reason for going there. And when he gets his Hogwarts letter, it's like Harry Potter, um, uh, hovel in Bulgaria or something like that. I mean, it's just like it's ridiculous because he's not, he's, you know, running around killing Death Eaters. (laughs) (laughs) Harry Potter in Lucius Malfoy's dungeon with the, with the, about to commit murder is not what he wants to find on the on the cover of his um uh, his letter. No, 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 not really. But he settled down in some in, in some um cheap hotel or something in some country, um and t- to get his letter and yeah, but it's 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 really funny. Um, Hermione um in the original timeline has been murdering Death Eater parents every time they come to Hogwarts. She's poisoning them and shit. (laughs) I'm going to have to read that. You know, there's some shows where I wind up with, like, a whole bunch of stories open um, to read. And then I'm like, well, my browsers are getting a little crowded, so I'll send everything off to my tab manager. (laughs) And I probably have 200 stories in the tab manager just from the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> I haven't gotten around to reading yet. But the reunion is really funny. Um it's it's a really um it's an interesting take on the on the time travel fic because um they're really not particularly interested in saving anything or anyone. They're just kinda like fuck it. <laughs> and Harry runs around killing a whole bunch of Death Eaters just because and Voldemort's a footnote because after he gets him in the trunk it's what are we going to do with him now? And then, like, I, one of the girls just goes and does an exorcism spell. <laughs> Boom, done. <laughs> just done. 
I spoiled that for you. Sorry. <laughs> it's just really funny. You'll you have to read it. Um, he's actually a really, really funny, funny writer. He's very funny. And it's funny that I haven't read this one because I've read other stories by Rorschach's blog. So I don't know. Oh, there's a lot of stories. My favorite would why. definitely be the Make a Wish. <clears throat> Make a Wish is hysterical. Yeah. Um, the man on vacation. He's just on vacation. He has no clue. Um, so rocks fall. That's the best part when the rocks fall. Literally, rocks fall. <laughs> And the best person to do it dies. The best person it could have happened to, it happens to. Rocks fall and she dies. And it's like, yes, thank you. <laughs> that was very satisfying. <laughs> so my brain's kind of spinning here in the background. Um, it's like a background process. I've been trying to figure out what would make an engaging For me, obviously, for me, because I can't speak to anybody else's preferences. What would make an engaging um, contemporary setting, um, like a contemporary fandom, with time travel? Because when I when I read time travel, it really does pretty much have to be The Hobbit or Harry Potter. And I like it with the same intensity in those fandoms that I dislike it in others, which is a lot. Um I think one of the main thrusts of a time travel um, story is um, the desire to fix something catastrophic or to fix something that just you just can't reconcile yourself with in, in the story. Um, and in Harry Potter and in The Hobbit, of course, in The Hobbit, it, it, the ending is so ugly. That, that shit needed fixing. It leans itself to fix its and AUs and time travel because you're thinking to yourself, he went through so much. And <clears throat> to die at the foot of his mountain mm-hmm. after all those hundreds of years. And to take the future of his line with him. And then that loud mouth ends up on the throne. That's just ugly. It's just, oh, oh. And, of course, in Harry Potter, you know, I think the people, you know, time travel for, it's, the the fix it varies for different people. I mean, you got, you you can, Sirius, um, Cedric, Hedwig, um, which was just author sadism, um, Dobby, Fred, Fred, the Lupin, Dumbledore. Um, so people like to save him. Who knows? Uh, the Potters. Um, going back so far that you can save Lily and James um, um, utterly fucks the timeline. Are you still there? Yeah. Okay. But. When it comes to a modern, like a, a a contemporary setting, like you said, it's it's just like like what's the hook? Yeah, exactly. What's the hook? Um, I think in Stargate, 
if if I was gonna if if I was gonna pick a hill to die on in, in Stargate, it would probably be Charlie O'Neill's death. Oh, that's a good one. Um, in NCIS, um, you have to be careful in a fandom like Stargate because the only reason that O'Neill went through the gate was because Charlie was dead. And he was suicidal. If Charlie isn't dead, Jack O'Neill doesn't go through the Stargate. He doesn't take a suicide mission. He doesn't go on a one-way mission. So who leads that mission to Abydos? And what does that change do to the rest of the Stargate program? Do they even come back from Abydos? Or does that bomb go off and kill everybody there? That's an ugly thing to type. Huh? I'd be ashamed of you. That's an ugly thing to type that you just put in the chat room. That's terrible. I know. I know it's terrible. <sighs> you need to say that out loud. You need to own it. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm Charlie. I agree. With you be careful about what you change in Stargate because Jack is so pivotal. Right. That. Um, hmm. You could probably do it with John engineering things so that John is the person chosen. He could probably engineer it so that he thinks he's in the right position to be chosen for that mission. Um, and he saves Charlie for Jack. But then Jack is never with the program. And it's John all along. Except John would have probably been just a captain. Yeah, he'd have been young to lead that mission. Sam was in Washington when Abydos took place. Um, and also probably pretty young at that point in time. She was a captain. Um, a year later, she was a captain um, when she came to Stargate Command. Because there's a year between Abydos and SG-1. And we don't know how long Charlie O'Neill has been dead um, when the movie starts, do we? Um, I think it's been a year or so. It's not very long. No, not very long. Movie. I think I think it's like a year or something. They're still very much in the post post funeral. They haven't divorced yet. Um, um, yeah, I, I would say it's within a year of Charlie's death. I don't remember specifically. Um, because if O'Neill were given the opportunity to go back and change things, he's going to change that. Now, the, now the thing is, O'Neill could change things uh, if O'Neill's the person time traveling, um, as long as he's got his memories. Now, there is a time travel trope where the person is sent back in time with no recollection of the future, which is an it's kind of an odd permutation of the trope. I don't get it. What's the point? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I, 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 did, I, I did plot one story that had that, a Harry Potter story that had that in the in the world building. Um, 
is because magic is trying to save herself. And every time they hit a point, a critical point of no return, where it's obvious that this plan has failed, that um, she starts time over again at a certain point. And every time that she's tried to send someone back with knowledge of the future, they fuck it up worse than just letting infinite number of permutations play out. Um, and then, you know, finally somebody says, look, give me a chance with my memories intact. And she agrees to it and they do manage to fix it. Um, but obviously the meat of the story would be with the person having their memories intact, um, not the many, but it, it was, it was all the failed attempts. And I thought the part that I was, that I kind of conceived of that I thought was interesting in that was that time, it doesn't play out the same way exactly every time, but that it still ultimately every time failed. Um, So anyway, um, so the thing I had said earlier, when I was talking about, is what we were talking, we, we were talking, it just, I got the idea, the, the idea hit my head. Somebody said that in an NCIS time travel that maybe go back to say Kate. And I was like, no, Tony. And then I was like, well, Tony's not dead. <laughs> and then I just had this idea, this terrible idea that Tony is killed at the events of dead air. And I said, I've never killed Tony, but here I'm I'm just plotting to kill him. Um, He's killed and Gibbs is so devastated when he realizes what basically he engendered in his team that led to this. Gibbs did engender that shit. Um, I agree. But he, he is, and I, I kind of would have to have probably have some sort of thing where Tony's really critical to the future in some way. Um, Gibbs is given an opportunity to, to time travel and um, to fix one thing, and what he chooses to fix is what got Tony killed. Um, anyway, he would have to be really, I think it would be like, personally, I think I think it would shatter Gibbs. I don't think Gibbs would recover from it, in a way. Um, if, if, if he was as devastated by Tony's death as he would have to be to make that choice um, and aware enough of his own failings. I just don't think it's something you come back from easily. Um, so, um, yeah, that kind of just popped into my head and I went, oh, doesn't my, my, I don't, it kind of makes me kind of feel sick inside actually. If I were to do straight time well, travel on NCIS, that's probably what I would do. Well, what if it isn't Gibbs who goes back? Because you, because you, you still need the mechanism. And at that yeah. point, the only, well, the easiest mechanism is with Tony, because he's dead. You know, divine intervention. Yeah, that that's true. Tony dies, and Tony's given the opportunity to go back and prevent his own destruction. <laughs> Knowing what and you know he, now. What would you do different? Because on a for real note, considering what Gibbs did in the complete departure he took from his own code, um, if Gibbs was given the opportunity to go back in time, I don't see how... He didn't go back to save his own baby. 
even if yeah. he couldn't save them both, he'd have picked Kelly. I there's yeah. just no. But if it's not Gibbs, if it's somebody else, it's um. And like I said, um, Tony's the obvious one because he's dead, and you can do the divine intervention or the you know fate or or whatever, an ancient you know. <laughs> Jimmy can do it as the master of death because he's actually Harry Potter. <laughs> That's really cute, Edie. Um, unless Gibbs isn't given a choice. If Gibbs is given a choice, Kelly is his choice. If he can save one person, right. it's going to be his little girl. And Tony wouldn't even fault him for that. I don't know that I would fault Gibbs for that. No, because Tony's a grown man and Kelly was a little girl. Right. Although the idea that Gibbs, the idea that Gibbs going back and saving Kelly wouldn't have some impact on anything that went down with Tony. Um, Something's going to be different for Tony. I don't know what, because odds are, odds are Gibbs isn't going to be with NCIS. It would ripple. In order to make it, yeah, in order to make it be a, a, you only get to pick one kind of choice. Um, Gibbs wouldn't have any recollection after Kelly was saved. You'd have to, you know, once but you make your choice, you're not going to remember I this. I see where he might actually end up at NCIS anyway, because the reason he ended up at NCIS is because he was recruited after he left the Marines because of his wife and daughter's death. Well, if he only saves his daughter, he still has to deal with the death of his wife. Right. Well, he and he's going to have to, you know, come home She's still murdered by the same person. He's got a kid to take care of. He's going to need a job. And there's, yeah. what's his name, being a predator. Mike Franks. Gibbs, Gibbs was recruited by the guy who told him very wrongly how to go basically and kill this guy. Um, to avenge his wife. Yeah. And I can still see that. I'm not sure if he would actually take that kind of risk if Kelly was still alive. But he might still end up at NCIS because he's he's going to have to work. Would he actually go kill yeah. somebody and risk imprisonment when 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 he has a kid to take care of? But if he isn't well, given a choice, he might. I think he I think he might still kill. I don't know that he would do it cavalierly as he did i mean he killed he killed um with his own gun with 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 his service his service sniper rifle i mean i mean he really had no fucks to give when he made that choice right so he might be a little more cold-blooded about it (laughs) he might still kill he might still choose to go i'm gonna i'm gonna get another gun and Ash is over here marrying Kelly off to Tony. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) I didn't know. You done messed her up. But no, I mean, if you don't give Gibbs a choice, I do think that, um, uh, Gibbs coming home from Tony's funeral, um, getting drunk in his basement, (laughs) 
and getting a visit from somebody unexpected. Oh, you know what? You could do a crossover with Stargate and have an ancient come. Janice. He must have eventually ascended. And he's an asshole. So that would be great. You done fucked it up. You done fucked it up for everybody, Gibbs. <laughs> the goddamn planet's gonna fall to the race. <laughs> just, you know, just whatever. Because that was but again, kind that, of the... That puts a sci-fi element on it. Um, But in order to get the time travel, you need that mechanism. You have to have some kind of sci-fi element with a contemporary setting for time travel. Unless right. you're going to have, you know, the gods and goddesses lurking around in the background. You know, you either got to have some almost urban fantasy element to make time travel possible, or you got to go sci-fi. I and mean, that's the only choices, really. Or you just have the inexplicable time travel. It's like, hey, I don't know how I woke up here. Um, because then the, here's the thing, is when you have inexplicable time travel in a contemporary setting, I'm going to suspect the entire novel that I'm dealing with with um, an unreliable narrator. Um, or it's a dream. Or it's a, gives right, it's in a, a coma. They wake, they wake up and it's a dream. It's a coma. I mean, that is, that, that, that's, that's a very common um, um, unreliable narrator trope is that, it's, that you, they wake up and it's a dream. And so everything is fake. Um, I just hate that. Hate you could that so do much. a sentinel verse. You can do a sentinel verse. Did you just yeah, hump? That, that, that's, that's an urban fantasy trope. I, I would say that has an urban fantasy element where you have some sort of element through on the spirit plane or the psionic plane or whatever that says, oh, we, you couldn't kill this one. Are you crazy? You can't do that. Oh, yeah, that's actually really interesting. The wrong guy gets killed, and doesn't even have to give its tap to go fix it. You killed the wrong one. You killed the wrong one. We had to have that one. There are some pivotal guides. We have to have that one. Well, I have another, somebody asked about Tony being Alex Shepard and having the ATA genes, and I was sort of pissed that Tony said. I have another time travel thing where Tony, um, and that one, and that is that, that Tony is Alex Shepard, and he doesn't, he doesn't know it. Um, and I talked about that on the podcast, I thought, at one point, um, that Tony, um, the the planet falls with the race, basically, and, um, Tony is the the ancients come up and like oh we didn't really think that the race would get here and do all this damage, so now we're gonna go ahead and let we're gonna we're gonna interfere, and we're gonna you know send some people back who are pivotal to making this not happen and for that the shepherd boys need to be together, so um, Tony guess what <laughs> um, sorry that race ate you but it'd be awesome if you'd be willing to go back in time <laughs> and fix this whole clusterfuck. These are your brothers. Um, yeah, about that. <sighs> and Tony's price for agreeing is that he gets to save Shannon and Kelly. Because he decides to be mercenary about it. And I got that plot from you, sort of. 
you offered me that plot where Tony goes back in time and saves Shannon and Kelly yeah, for Gibbs. I've slept since then. I know, but, but, that, but <laughs> you, there was no there was no time travel mechanism. That was it's like we were, we're talking about this plot idea. It was just kind of this heartbreaking concept of where um, Tony goes back in time and he saves Shannon and Kelly, even though he knows it's going to probably take Gibbs out of his life forever. And but I was like, well, what happened? And, and I kind of noodled on it, and I was like, okay, I'll take it. And I was kind of noodling on it, and I was like, but what's the mechanism? And then one day, post-Alex Shepard, I went, aha. This is how Tony goes back um, and why. And the only price he asks is that he be allowed to shave. Um, what if um, instead of Tony being kidnapped, which is – honestly one of my favorite stories that you've written um and it's not just because it's got my shepherds in it but i, I, I just love the uh, the whole idea i just I, I love it um but what if um tony just isn't seniors yeah that was and that was in this one um my idea was that tony's actually the youngest in this one um that um maybe um and Patrick, Patrick had an um, affair with the mother. Or that he and Emma split up briefly or something of that nature, because I do hate infidelity, um, that they split up for a time, maybe for a year or something, and in that time, one of the people that Patrick hooked up with was Tony's mother, and Tony was the result. Um, and the difference is that Tony goes back knowing that. And knowing that he's got a different father, and he reaches out to him when he's young, um, and says, "Hey, my mom died recently, and she told me that you're really my dad, and uh, I'm going to military academy, but you want to write?" <laughs> Thing is, is my mom's husband's a dick. And it would it's be great awful. if you would sue him for custody of your biological offspring. He doesn't like me anyway. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Thanks. Appreciate it. I'm willing to do a DNA test. <laughs> Let's get this done. But, I mean, you know, so that's just an interesting way to do it. Um, I'm going to introduce Tony in Sentinels of Atlantis as um, Patrick's nephew. Um, I love that idea. That Patrick married a Paddington just like Jonathan Senior did. Tony having British family canon as canon, um, there's a lot you can do with that, it turns out. <laughs> but I'm so happy that Tony's well, going to be I was thinking about bringing um, how Tony was going to come into Sentinels of Atlantis, and I've got. Um, This uh, this this clone of, of Jack O'Neill, who's about who's who's coming online during the events of the um, the uh, the search when that when that whole thing goes down. I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do with him? You know, he's going to show up at Jack's house. <laughs> Who else could show up at Jack's house? Oh, Tony could show up at Jack's house. That'd work out really well. <laughs> Uncle Patrick. 
I have something to talk to you about. <laughs> You'd not believe. Oh, well, this is my Sentinel, and this is my Sentinel's clone. <laughs> this is my brother, my other brother, Daryl. <laughs> Anyways, um, we're down to um, just a minute and 19 seconds, and um, we'll... Uh, in this without a without a rush to the last seconds like we normally do, um, and um, I need to figure out some other topics for the week. Uh, we might do um, the SmackDown in our next podcast. What do you think? I think that's a good one. Okay, and I'll, I'll I'll work on um, synonyms for SmackDown between now and then. That'd be great. I'd appreciate that. We're done. <laughs> Say good night. Good night, everyone.